0: Hey, everybody, I'm Dan Bro, along with my co-host, Matt Bruner, the Brun Dog. Uh, Welcome to the Real Estate Heroes podcast, the stories and lessons from real estate wholesalers, investors, and professionals who are changing lives and making an impact so that we can help you become the real estate hero. And just a quick reminder real quick that this recording is an exclusive live event for our students only. And so they have the opportunity to ask questions and get answers to their biggest questions. So if you want to be one of those lucky few, head over to actiondanbro.com and schedule a call or sign up. Today, I'd like to welcome Derek Acuff. This guy is an absolute animal. You've probably seen him on a bunch of other podcasts. Or seen his social media. Uh, been in the game for over three years, um, has done over a hundred deals. He's building his renter portfolio. Um, he's got a ton of awesome content on YouTube, Instagram, um, Flipping a House uh, is his handle on Instagram. Uh, Derek, super grateful to have you on.
1: Absolutely, man. I appreciate the invite. And uh hopefully I can drop some gems today for your students and for anybody listening.
0: Absolutely. That'd be great. So um You know, anyone who doesn't know, um, let's dig into your story. You know, how did you get started in
1: real estate? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I always like to take it back to where I'm from uh, because I think relatability is key, especially for anybody who wants to get in this business and be successful. And uh, I try to be relatable. So i you know, I grew up in East Tennessee, small town of like 10,000 people. I uh, spent a lot of my summers like hauling hay and doing a lot of labor work, things that a lot of my friends were not doing. Uh, learned a lot of life lessons. And then uh, when I was in high school, I used to come visit Houston on and off growing up. Uh, when I was in high school, my dad worked for a very wealthy individual. And, uh, when I was there one time, uh, you know, I was talking with some of the people there and they were doing real estate deals and all this cool stuff. But basically that was the first time I ever heard that you don't necessarily have to go to college to be successful. Uh, and that one little moment kind of changed my whole trajectory of my life. Cause I decided like, you know, I got to get out of my small town. I need to be around wealthy individuals. Um, so that was at like 17 and around 19, I packed up my car with like $1,000 and all the stuff I could fit in my Chevy Impala. And I hit the road and moved 16 hours uh, away to, you know, to Houston. And uh, I was still, you know, going down the college path and I was about to graduate with my associate's degree and I was looking to go to the University of Houston. I was going to be a petroleum engineer. That was like my whole life plan. Uh, And then I figured, you know, later down the road, I would get into real estate. I just always had this fascination with it, played a lot of monopoly growing up. And uh, yeah, so when on my last semester, I went to one of those seminars, you know, the get rich, you know, get into real estate. I'm not going to say the name, but it's a big one. And you basically end up in the sales funnel. You go to the free event, then you go to the weekend event. Uh, At the time, I didn't even have the $500 for the weekend event, but my friend covered it. He ended up, he didn't even end up going to the event, only I did uh, with me and my girl. So we went and at that, that seminar that weekend, I learned about real estate wholesaling and that kind of, I would say, opened the door. Uh, to my, you know, journey down real estate. Of you know, I finished that semester, got my associate's degree, and then basically I decided I was going to take two years off and try to do this real estate thing. And uh, that was about almost six years ago now. <laughs> so that's kind of where it all started. And you know, I'd be happy to go into more detail, but that's just kind of like you know those little things that kind of led me down this you know bigger path of getting into real estate at a younger age and. All that I've been able to accomplish, um, and I feel like I'm just getting started.
0: Man, that's awesome! So, at a at a pretty young age, it sounds like you learned the importance of being surrounded by the right people. You know, you had your your dad, and who he worked for, and and all those guys. They were just connected with one another, all in the real estate game. It sounds like, and and so it sounds like you learned from a pretty early age that. You know, everyone. It's it's it tried and true. It's maybe over a little uh, out. What was the word for it? Uh, a little worn out. But um, you know, your your net worth is your net worth. Mm-hmm. And sounds like you learned that from a pretty young age.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think I had a couple, you know, I, I think they, they talk about this on Bigger Pockets a lot, but, uh, you know, everybody has a disadvantage that, you know, or an unfair advantage, whatever that may be, it looks a lot different. For me, I think that was in high school, one of my best friends, even in my small town, his dad owned a bunch of dominoes, right, franchises. And I live with my mom, she was a single mom. And I kind of like lived the rich dad, poor dad, you know what I mean? Not that he was super wealthy, but he was a business owner, he was a capitalist. You know, my mom was not so much, you know, she had always worked hard jobs. She was a hard worker, but I also saw, I was always very self-aware and I saw what she had and what he had and what he had was freedom. And then when I moved here and, you know, my dad just so happened to work for this wealthy guy, and, you know, hearing those things and then physically seeing it too. I think that's what's so important is I didn't just hear it from these guys. Like I went to a penthouse where you got to have a guy on the elevator just to even get off. And then they have like Rolexes and McLarens and like cars that cost more than my mom's house. And it's like, when you see these things, uh, you know, I always say expansion equals exposure or exposure equals expansion. So once I saw these things, I couldn't go back to going back to my small town and, you know just you know, most of the people I graduated with, you know, they either work in a factory or Walmart, and that's totally fine. I just always wanted more for my life. And I knew that I wasn't going to be able to accomplish that if I wasn't surrounded by the people that were actually doing those things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I got to say, petroleum engineer, real estate investor, little different, (laughs) very different, little different. different. So what was what was that one thing that just clicked for you and you're like, yeah, petroleum engineer, probably not what I want to do. And this real estate thing, I got to give it a shot.
1: You know, looking back, I don't think I ever really wanted to be a petroleum engineer. I just wanted to be, I didn't want to have to worry about money, even if that didn't mean I was super rich. I just, I saw how hard my mom worked and other people in my family. And as hard as they worked to what they had, you know, I just never wanted that. And I think You know, like I said, I grew up playing the Monopoly. I was always had this, you know, I was always intrigued by real estate, but really I just, I hated college, man. And, you know, I don't want to tell people not to go to college. What I learned was that college just wasn't for me. You know, uh, I made myself go to school. I paid my way. Like, you know, it took me a lot longer just to get that two-year degree, but I was trying to force, you know, a square peg in a round hole. And what I learned when I stopped school was that I didn't necessarily... I didn't like learning and what that wasn't the issue. I love learning. It was that I was learning the wrong things. And as soon as I got into real estate, I mean, I've read more books, podcasts. I'm always watching content, like just trying to learn, not just real estate, other businesses. Um, So I think, you know, for me, it wasn't that I, you know, I just never really wanted to be a petroleum engineer. I was good at math and science. So I was like math and science, make a lot of money, move to Houston. It's prevalent in oil and gas. You'll get a six figure job minimum, And then when you're in your 30s, you'll be able to buy some real estate and start down that path. So I don't think it was that I wanted to be a petroleum engineer. I think I just wanted what I thought, you know, being a petroleum engineer would bring me, which was real estate at the end of the day, which is, you know, crazy how that works.
2: Yeah, man, like, it's so funny to me how many people are told the same story, like, go to college, get a good job, and then you can get to invest in real estate. When in reality, you can just cut out that first step. Like you just have to do it. Um So that's cool. Thank you for sharing how you kind of got here. Um What are you doing now, man? Like what does your business look like right now? And how is that going?
1: Yeah. So, you know, which I'm sure we'll get into. I started out with the wholesaling and, you know, today, honestly, I'm live up more to my Instagram handle of like flipping. We're doing a lot of flipping. Um Like, I think we have like 11 projects going on right now. Not all of those are flipped. Some of those we're keeping. Um, So I have that going on. We're doing a lot of rehab. Some we're selling as is. I just have to close on them. We're still doing a little bit of wholesaling. And then, uh, you know, I have a business partner. I, me and him are building our own uh, single family portfolios of rentals. And then we also over the last year created a new company and we're doing, um, Our plan is to do, you know, burrs and then turn those into short-term rentals uh, in this very highly gentrifying area in Houston that's called Fifth Ward. And they just announced like they broke ground on a huge development. So my whole thing is, you know, owning real estate, but also building capital uh, as quick as possible because the market is hot. Um, But it, it would be a mix right now of a little bit of wholesaling, a lot of flipping and then keeping some rentals and building, you know, those portfolios separately. And then, you know, as when I make more money, getting into other opportunities, like we talked about, I really enjoy making content and just showing people, you know, this is, you know, anybody can do this. Like, you know, I waited tables before I got into real estate. So it's like, I'm the most normal person. I just, I took that hard work ethic that I was taught and combined that with getting around smarter people like we
2: discussed. It's awesome. And then, so out of those 11 deals, like what are you finding is working best to like source those deals? So what sort of marketing channels are you doing?
1: Yeah. So for us, we have three, well, I I say four main marketing channels. Uh, First would be cold calling. You know, everybody's doing cold calling. Uh, We do some texting as well, uh, even though, you know, they're starting to crack down on things like that. And then we do a lot of SEO, like search engine optimization. And then, honestly, the la- the fourth would be the most powerful. Has outperformed recently, and we were talking about this before we got on. Is social media, man. I uh, I get a lot of deals from social media. Like the last ten that we've probably gotten, I would say five of those have been from social media. Um, just sharing the journey. I'm always I know people get annoyed following me because they're like, this guy's always buying houses, but I need people to know what I'm doing. Uh, I actually before this interview just left a house that somebody sent me. He works with one of my friends. He knows what I do. He knows that, I. you know, I, I'm building this reputation of I'm going to do what I say. I'm going to make sure everyone gets paid. So, I, you know, social media has really taken off over the last year. Uh, and what it's able to bring. And I love, I love those deals, uh, more so to be honest, because a lot of the people that we're dealing with is newer people. So a lot of times it's their first deal. So out of those five, you know, that we got uh, three of those, I think are people's first deal. Um, And one of the houses I locked up was one of those uh, it's going to be a guy's first wholesale deal. And, you know, I, I love those deals. Not only do we get to make a lot of money from it, but seeing someone, like when it becomes real and they hold that check or the wire hits, it's like, this could really change my life. I know that's what it did for me.
0: Yeah, man, that stuff, uh, that first deal is super exciting. And being able to help someone get that first deal is also super exciting. Um, that's one of the things I, I love, you know, being able to help people who already have the drive and the motivation and, and the want, and then just helping them connect the dots. Um, mm-hmm. So that's awesome that you're doing that too, man. Um, so, you know, your social media stuff, you're saying you're getting a ton of deals from it. Um, I mean, I'm curious personally, and I think other, you know, our listeners and students will be interested as well. Like, what are you finding to be most effective um, in the content you're putting out? Like, what kind of stuff are you doing that leads to those deals coming into you?
1: Yeah. So it's funny because a lot of my friends who've been doing this business, like they're starting to get wind and they've seen me go from, you know, zero to whatever many followers and all this. And I think honestly, all I do, because there's so much fluff on the internet as we see, right? Especially when you've been in this business, you can usually tell who's doing deals and who's not quickly. And, you know, that's just part of the internet. But I think by authentically being myself, people relate with that, right? And on top of that, people have seen my journey, you know, basically from, I think I was like two years in when I really started like taking social media serious, just sharing what I'm doing, going to houses, Uh, And people have seen that from like me doing a couple of deals to like, I'm buying like five, six houses a month or whatever it may be. Now, I think by sharing that along the way, and it's easier for guys like us. And I tell all my friends this, when you're in the business, it's easy to just share your journey, whether that's just picking up a camera or I'm just at a house or two weeks ago, I broke into a house and I just took people with me, um, you know, like just doing evictions, like everything that we do, because I think a lot of people can find value in the small things that we don't find important. Uh, But I think it's also, you have to break through the noise by being consistent every day. Like I post every single day, And I make sure because what people don't understand is you have to break through the noise. We have TikTok, we have Instagram, we have Facebook, we have all these platforms. Most people are consumers, right? So as a person that's a producer, you have to be just as consistent as TV channels, TV shows, YouTubers, right? Like all of my favorite people that I watch on YouTube are dropping two videos a week and they've done that for years, right? So what does that tell me? I have to do that if I'm going to play in this arena. So with that point being, it's just, you have to be extremely consistent, but I think you have to be authentic. And every time I close a deal with someone that's new, especially like I brag about it on Facebook every time, not only am I genuinely happy, I want people to see this person get their first deal, right? Cause I know the struggles they've went through the doubt that they face their family members telling them this is a scam. I want all of them. I want this post to shut them up and then two they see that okay even if they doubt it they they go look at my page and they're like oh snap maybe he really did close this deal and then on top of that it opens up the door to oh actually my cousin has a house and now I'm doing another deal every time I post a deal or that I close the deal I get at least minimum three leads now I don't always can like you know convert those leads but at minimum on average, it, like sometimes it's five, sometimes it's one, it would average out to three leads that I get. But that's three more opportunities of people that are like, oh snap, Derek helped this person, Derek helped this. And all I'm doing, some people may think it's bragging, but I'm literally just sharing the good that I'm doing because I think so many times people look at wholesalers and people as we're doing something wrong. There is like, we are looked at as leeches and the amount of work that we have to do, wholesalers have to do more work than anybody. And this is from somebody who's done it all you know, up and up to developments, but it's like, nobody's gonna like the things that I'm sure you guys do that we do, like getting people mechanics, I've moved people, I've like, you can name it, I've done it. Um, but you know, that's also probably why we've had the success that we've had. We try to be genuine people and, and actually take care of people. And when you share that on social media, you know, I always make the joke that like, if I got to look at your cat and your kid and all this other crap, you can see that I'm buying a house, you know, that I helped this person. And, you know, when you do decide to sell, or if you're ever having that conversation and you remember me, then it worked.
0: Yeah, man, that's, that's awesome. So, I mean, super powerful stuff because right now, I mean, with the way the market's been, you know, a lot of people, wholesalers, flippers, um, landlords, they're hurting for leads. And if you can leverage your social media platforms to get free leads, like really they're free, you know, it costs you time. Sure. But you're not paying out of pocket for those. And those leads are often some of the best leads you can get because they might not be on any list. They're not, you know, actively talking with other people all the time. Those are the best type of leads you can get. That's why I love TV leads because Mm -hmm. they are, they are some of the hottest leads. They're motivated. There's almost no competition on them. Um, and, but there's also that barrier to entry because it's more expensive to do TV. Um, but there's also for you, like the same thing with social media, there's that barrier to entry because a lot of people just don't take the time to do it or do it consistently. So, you know, that's awesome to see that you're having great success with it and just showing that, Hey, it actually works.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely important. And I would love to talk more, you know, offline about the TV stuff, because it's the same when you get SEO leads, right? Like, um, the reason Ben and I, you know, I think out of seven leads, we'll convert one, which is a really good turnover for especially for SEO. And, you know, we spend so much money to do it. But a lot of times, you know, our page is very personable. If you pull it up, it's just me and Ben in front of a house doing what we do. Right. So then one of us comes to talk to you, you know, you've seen us, you already feel comfortable. And then on top of that, you go look at our page and it's like, we have 30 plus five-star reviews, right? That rapport has already been built for you. And it's the same with social media, you know, people they're getting calls, they're getting letters, but when someone there's no better lead than a referral lead, right? Because somebody has already spoke about your good graces then I don't, I think internet would be the next best, but when somebody tells you and that's how you're going to survive, like, don't get me wrong. We get a lot of deals from our other marketing, but those deals seem to be a lot better when they come from somebody else. That's a referral and they know, like, and trust your name and they know you're going to get it done too. That's the thing is people have uncertainty. Are you going to get the deal closed? Like if I tell a seller, like I'm going to close a deal, I'm going to close a deal. Like we've done over a hundred deals and I've only I've only had to have that conversation twice with people. One person I had to back out. He didn't want to take my lower offer. The other lady, she decided to, to lower. But, you know, we try to do all the work up front. We try to set ourselves apart and do what we say we're going to do.
0: Yeah, that's super important. Um, I really respect that because I know there are, there are some people out there that just say, you know, lock it up at whatever price you can and then negotiate it down later. And I I personally hate that. Um, that's what gives a lot of wholesalers a bad name and it makes it difficult for anyone who's coming in with a, a reasonable model where like, we're only going to lock it up if we know we can close on it or assign it. And then they just have this, this bad taste in their mouth from the last buyer. Um, and they think that we're going to do that same thing. So it's just like another thing for us to overcome. Uh, so yeah, you know, as far as the referral is one of the best leads. Um, totally agree. You know, if someone else already has good things to say about you, um, it's, it's the best lead in you can get. It's, it's the warmest of the warm leads you can get. So that's awesome. Mm
1: no absolutely and i mean and we can go into it you know i could talk about wholesaling all day because you know it literally changed my life and i think so many people they go about it the wrong way and that you know there is a right way to do it uh ethically and you know be honest with the seller and 90 percent of the time the seller doesn't care what you're doing with the house they know you're making money it's more about being direct with them and uh you know, a lot of people aren't. The deal that we locked up last night, like I said, it, it's all the things that we're talking about combined. It's a newer guy. He's been following me. He brought me this house. Amazing deal. The house is worth three hundred thousand. We locked it up for one hundred and fifty. We're going to put about forty into it and be in and out you know but wow. it, you know it's a referral lead the numbers are amazing the lady i've been i went this house is an hour and five minutes if you guys have no relation of how big houston is it takes you 30 minutes to get anywhere so it took me about an hour to get out there a little over and i walked this house a month ago and they were trying to sell to the first one the numbers they wanted outrageous the second house Uh, those those are the numbers that they gave me I didn't fight her like I thought those numbers were amazing Um, but what happened was the realtor was really excited at first and then I could tell she started to fade away right she was asking all the right questions and then she was like oh no these things came up so for four weeks right the last four weeks every day on Monday hey Jenny how you doing just following up any new info nothing oh we're waiting on this it's always an excuse yesterday uh you know labor day messed it up uh, or it was on wednesday i just texted her same thing hey jenny any update she said he's ready to sell and i was like great and then her next question was are you wholesaling it right so what does that tell me She's been these four weeks that she didn't want to give me an answer. She was dealing with another wholesaler that made her outrageous promises. And, you know, when I can come in and, you know, obviously it's a little different when you're buying, but even I could wholesale this house for probably 170. But, you know, now I'm in a position where I can squeeze a little bit more money, be a little bit more patient, but the wholesaler had to do if he would have known what he was doing and, you know, how to go about that correctly. And, you know, realtors 90% of the time don't even know you're wholesaling anyway. They're taught to be a realtor. They don't know what assigning means, but you know, there's ways to explain things to people and to do it the right way. And I think so many people go about it the wrong way, which is what gives all of us a bad name. Like you said, locking up houses, like the house is worth 200 and you're locking it up at 190. Like that's not a deal, you know? Uh, and, you know, that's why I also put out content. I want to change the the way people are you know, perceived, especially when it comes to wholesaling. Cause like I said, I wholesaling will always have a special place in my heart. And I hate that it gets such a bad name because people don't know half the crap that we go through to get some of these deals closed, man.
0: Yeah. What do you mean? It's not all sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. Right. It's,
1: uh, (laughs) it's, it's not unicorns and and sparkles and all that good stuff.
0: (laughs) So let's dig into that a little bit. You know, you tell me, You know what did it look like for you when you first started wholesaling?
1: Got you. So I'm I'm gonna. I think this is great because me and my partner were talking about this this morning because I think we met around year three, three and a half, and you know we were kind of at the same place. But those first two years were rough um, for me. So you know I told you I went to the seminar, and then and that was in February. In June I graduated with my associates. I was you know going to take this time off and then I didn't do anything for, you know, that was February. So basically 8 months, I think it was like November before I, you know, did anything. I was Mr. Bigger Pockets and podcasts like this and I knew everything and never had done anything. Um and one day my my now fiance was very uh upset that day and you know she the one thing is she's a straight shooter like myself and she just said, "Hey, uh, I need you to either take action about real estate. You know, you quit college, you did all this, you told me, you sold me the dream, but you haven't done anything. Uh, so either take action or, you know, just shut the F up about it and let's never talk about it again. And uh, we'll just act like this didn't happen. You can go back to college, get a good job, and we'll get back on that path. Um, but what that did was, you know, it motivated me to take action. So I sent out like 30 letters. I got this lady that was super motivated in December, the end of December, love me. I built great rapport. I offered her way too low. I just had no idea what I was doing, but that kind of like sparked like, Oh, like this isn't as hard as I'm making it out to be, but also it's attainable. Um, So that was in December. And then in January, I, I just, any free time, any extra money uh, I think my budget was like $200 a month. I just was trying to get leads. And so from that time from January to June, uh, I went on a lot of appointments, I think I went on 20 plus appointments took a lot of rejection just learning right and I had met a mentor along the way, um, and just was bringing him deals and you know he would help me try to close them and finally on my uh, my 24th birthday, uh, I got the news that we had locked up the one he had already sold it. Um, which is you know crazy because in those six months I was so positive, but like the week before I had just like hit a wall, like I was just mentally like I call it my five feet from gold moment, I was just ready to give up. And once again, my girl, I was in the kitchen, I had a full mental breakdown. Like, I'm a big dude and I'm like crying like a baby in my kitchen, like, I'm a failure. I quit college, like, I did all this stuff and it's not working right. And you know, she just held me like a little baby and was like, Look. We've been doing this. We know someone who's doing it. It's possible. You just got to keep going. And literally, two days later, three days later, I went on an appointment. And then, oh, you know, seven days later was my birthday, and I locked up that deal. And, you know, that just made it real. But those next two years, you know, I I worked, I was waiting tables, I, you know, worked for about two more months, and then I quit my job. And, you know, those, those next year and a half was just basically a roller coaster of up and down making money, quit marketing, go broke, right? Uh, Start marketing again, get another deal, get comfortable, uh, quit marketing, change marketing. And, you know, I was just being so inconsistent. And I just basically, you know, after the like the second or third time of like going broke, like I just started JVing with everybody, hustling my way out of it. And around that time, I started working with my business partner, and we just started doing deals together. And you know, he had a full time job. And after that, we, uh, we had like, I think like 70 grand in the pipeline. And I'm like, bro, you're working a job. I'm doing all the footwork, which is fine. But if we're doing this with you with a job, imagine what we could do, you know, if you work and you help me full time. And then, you know, since then, it's just been, this has been a journey, man, just wholesaling to buying rentals to flip into, you know, everything else that we're doing. But uh, it, it was a struggle though, those first two years, not even going to lie. There was like six months where me, my girl and my son, like we ate ramen, like every day. Like we were having shrimp for breakfast, steak for lunch and, you know, chili lime for dinner. Like it was, it was not good. You know what I mean? And as a man, when you're supposed to be the provider and your girl's paying all the bills, you feel like a dirt bag on top of it. But that's, you know, it it seems so long ago, like this is why most people don't make it right. Like most people's girl or spouse isn't going to support them. Most people would give up Um, there were a couple of times where I almost got a job again and like my mentor would pay me some money and just be like, bro, you, you got to figure it out, you know? And that's, you know, it's simple, but it's not easy. And most people aren't going to do, you know, we live in this social media, like people see me and it's like, I've been doing this for almost six years just because you just found me. Doesn't mean that I haven't been struggling this whole time and I still struggle, but you know, it's just, uh, it's a journey, man. And those first two, those first two to three years were rough, rough for sure.
0: Man, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I can relate to (laughs) a lot of what you're saying. Um, You know, when I was going through my most difficult, stressful, um, financially challenging time in my life, um, I, I was talking with my uncle who he used to be so. A lot of people know um, Traction, like the uh, and EOS, the entrepreneurial operating system. So they're actually a worldwide organization. my My uncle used to be the chairman, the world, the global chairman for this company. So he knew a lot of people, a lot of very successful entrepreneurs. I was talking with him, and he said, "You know, Dan, I know a lot of very successful business owners." And this is when I was going through my my worst stuff, me personally. And he said every single person I know that is really successful has gone through exactly what you're talking about right now. And it, I know it doesn't make you feel better. It doesn't change what's happening right now, but just know that it's part of the process. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that you were able to keep going, like, it's so important because it's not, avoiding failure. It's not avoiding challenge that leads to success. It it is going through it. It is continuing on. And like, it's the hardest thing because you're, you're, you're struggling, you're, you're down on yourself. It's not working and you just want to stop. I get it. I've been there, man. So the fact that you had those people around you and that's, that's what helped me. The, the people around you, like you, you're talking about your girl, I, I hope you're still with her. She sounds amazing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I, and I, I, I'm not surprised by that. Um, but having those people around you, cause it's not about doing it yourself. Like no one who's achieved anything of significance and, and you're a, a testament to that has done it all on their own. It just doesn't work that way. And, and so the fact that you had those people around you helping you to push you through, to to hold your hand when you needed it and and gave you that motivation when you needed it and that drive to keep pushing forward, like for anyone listening right now, like it's not all on you. Like, yes, you still have to keep working, but you don't have to do it alone. So, I mean, Derek is a, a testament to that. He, he pushed through, but he also relied on others. And there were times where he questioned himself, like, not everybody that you see is is all like, so confident all the time and so disciplined 24 seven every single day and and waking up at 330am every single day and and working, you know, 18 hours a day. That's not reality. Like we all have down days. And it's not about showing up with a gold medal every single day. Sometimes it's just about showing up. And sometimes it's about showing up and giving a crappy performance, but at least you did it and you didn't stop. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's awesome that you kept going and that you can look back on it now. So positively as such an important part of your journey.
1: Yeah. And I think one thing people need to understand to touch on what you just said is like, I don't want people to see us talking and think that we still don't go through those struggles. They just look different. Our problems are just bigger, right? Like we're this week, I've been through 20 emotions. We had an eviction. I had a deal fall apart. I have another one with title issues. I have, a new deal that we locked up. Like I could give you a million. I've lost one of my contractors quit on me. Like I had to hire new, like I can give you the range of emotions that I've been through this week alone. My phone's blowing up right now. I'm sure there's another problem or three I got to solve, but I think that we get better at handling it. And like you just, you build that muscle of, you know, it's just like, I'm a huge Jim Rohn. Like my kids, my wife has listened to any gym Rohn, like I forced them to because those old school lessons of like it doesn't get easier you get better I just if I can let my kids learn that at nine rather than at 19 like I did they'll be so much farther ahead and people need to understand it doesn't get any easier like there's times a few months ago, like we have so many flips, but you know, flipping is a cash-intensive business. We're broke, but I gotta pay myself, pay my family. Like there's so many problems that people don't see, they just see social media, which is the highlight reel, which is also why I try to share as much as I can with people so they see all the the good and the bad, right? Like, I know sometimes people probably feel like I'm complaining, but I'm not complaining, I'm just sharing, like, you know, this is what happened today, right? Like I just want you guys to understand like this is going to happen to you but here's how you can handle it and I always just say like I'm a huge like Nemo fan and everything like you just got to keep swimming like you just have to keep swimming because if you stop that's when you die right like that's when you start getting beat up and like as long as you stay in motion you're good and there's so many days like I love knowing that every day is a fresh start right and there are days and like my girl sees it and she just lets me be right like I'm just I'm a turtle. I just don't want to talk to anybody. I'm beat up. But the next day I'm going to hit the ground running. But it's just like, I, she has to realize like all the things that I'm managing. And, you know, she's great at that. And like, you know, now to bring it full circle, like after Corona, my girl went back to work for like a couple of weeks. And I was like, you got to quit your job. We just had a baby, like just be a mom. And like, just to see our growth together, like, you know, those people, like you said, you have to do it as a tribe. And a lot of people you start with, you're not going to finish with. And, you know, my biggest lesson that I think I've learned over the last year, and I'm still learning is like, don't take anything personal. Everybody has their own interests at heart. And a lot of people want to see you win and a lot of people don't and some think they do. And then you start doing better than them. And now it doesn't work. You know what I mean? So, you know, those are just some things I I definitely wanted to add because this I mean, this it doesn't get easier, man. It's just bigger problems. You just you really learn to handle it a lot
2: better. I love that. I think just keep swimming just became my favorite catchphrase. So just wanted to say thank you for that. (laughs) Yeah, I got Um, I got
1: one not to cut you off. I got one even better is because me and my girl have this weird Mac Miller like tie, but like he has a tweet, an old one uh, that says stop keeping score, just keep swimming. And I like that one even better because it's just a reminder to like just stay run your own race and just keep running though.
2: I love that. I've been thinking about what quote should go on my wall and I, I think I just figured that out. So thank you. Nice. That's awesome, man. Um, so let's talk about this. So you pushed through the paralysis by analysis phase, which we've already discussed. Almost everybody goes through that. Um, after you got out of that phase, like what were some of the biggest mistakes you made? And then what did you learn from those mistakes?
1: Yeah, I think because I this is something I try to harp on is pretty easy. Um, I think it's like, after that, right? What is it they call it like the sophomore curse or whatever it is, where like, after you do your first deal doing deals consistently. It's like, as soon as that first deal closes, the pressure sets in of like, I got to do this again, how am I going to do this again? Um, so the, I think the first being like I said, I, I hated my job uh, management had changed I I've never done good with, uh, authority. I had a lot of freedom as a kid, like I said, growing up in the country. So it just all ties in, but, uh, I quit my job and, you know, it's not hard to replace like 40 grand a year, especially in real estate. That's like two deals if you do them right. But at the time I had no exit plan. Like I, which is good and bad, right? I don't recommend this for everybody. I perform better when my back is against the wall because naturally I'm a lazy person. Like I know that about myself. I'm not the get up at 4am guy. Like I start my day at like 6:45, seven, and then I still drag around to eight and then I'll go to the gym, right? Like that's not me, but I'm very self-aware, but I don't advise that for people, right? I should have kept my job for another six months while I built this business on the side, but That that was my journey. Right. That's what I did. Luckily, my girl made a lot of money. She was able to cover the bills. Not everybody's going to be in that situation. So I think the first mistake I did was I quit my job way too soon. On top of that, like I said, I didn't have an exit plan. Like I had no money saved. Like I went to Mexico for like seven days and was like, I'll figure it out when I get home. Like I'm quitting my job. Like, let's do this. Uh, the next thing I I just I wasn't consistent enough. When people like, because I see in all the posts and everything in groups and Facebook and you know Instagram is like oh, I'm not getting deals, but they're doing 20 things, right? So they lack focus and consistency. They don't pick one thing. They're trying to chase like three rabbits and they catch none. So you need to focus on one thing and be very good at it. And so consistent that you have no option but to succeed. Um, And I was very, oh, I would get money. And then it's like, oh, I made 10 grand this month. And then I quit marketing. And then like, you know, once you stop that ball from rolling, you got to start that momentum all over. And I did that dance for like, at least a good year and a half of trying to figure it out, make money, you know what I mean, live below my means. And then, you know, that's a whole nother topic. Like I had a lot of fun, I thought I was financially literate. And there was a lot of things that I needed to learn. Um, So you know, I think that goes into having the exit plan, though, right, putting yourself in a better position, like people need to realize, like people think that you start a business, and you just start making money, like, all of it's like net profit, right? And as we all know, like, that's not it, like the gross profit is cool. But the net, like what you actually take home and keep, that's very hard to manage when you're not good at managing money alone, and you're trying to, you know, scale up. So I think by being consistent, you know, starting where you're at, keeping your job, having an exit plan, live below your means, I can't preach that enough. Uh, You know, I think, You know, watching a lot of Dave Ramsey, I believe in some of the stuff he teaches, but you know, obviously debt should be used to be leveraged. We're real estate people. But by living, so many people in America fail because they're chasing what other people have, right? They have the expensive car notes, they have the expensive house, but they own nothing, right? They have designer clothes, but they're $50,000 in debt. There's so many things that you could do to get ahead that aren't really that that won't change your lifestyle that much it's just ego won't let you live below your means right you're worried about like my my son right all the kids that we hang out with and like our friends with the family they're like 20 10 15 20 years older than us but yet you know we play expensive sports we do a lot of things that they do but yet they get in my car and they're like why is your car sold so and I'm like because I don't have a car note your mom does you know what I mean you know it's like these little things that can really set you ahead So I think by having like a good exit plan, being consistent, you know, being prepared, right? Most people just aren't. And then they get mad when it doesn't work. And it's like, you just weren't willing to make sacrifices. Like after that, you know, in that year and a half, you know, we cut back a lot of our expenses. We got cash cars. We moved in with my girl's mom for a year to save up to buy a house. Like these are, once again, things that people aren't willing to do. Like we lived in a two, like two bedrooms, like a family of three, you know what I mean? Just so we could, you know, live off of, you know, a thousand dollars a month so we could save the rest, Uh, you know, like these little things. And like by doing that one year, and it was, it was double like it was hell, man, it was bad but that one year probably put us ahead probably eight to 10 years by being humble enough to sell our cars, to live with her mom. And, you know, we bought a house. I have over a hundred grand in equity in a house that I bought a year and a half ago. And it's like, by doing these things to to set myself up, uh, you know, I think that's, those were the the fundamentals, right?
0: Yeah. I I really appreciate what you just said. Um, It made me think of, So I have a a leadership coach and um, he told me about this thing he called the, the er issue. Um, (laughs) So it's, you know, we're, we're always comparing. And and so it's, you want something, you you look at someone else's thing and you want something that's nice or big or fancier, newer. And and so, but it's just a comparison and it doesn't. And and the crazy thing is, and I've, Talk to plenty of people that have made millions and millions, like tens, literally hundreds of millions of dollars. And, you know, the, the guy who, who bought the, the beach house, the, the mansion and the Ferrari at 25, and then he got depressed because it didn't give him what he thought it was going to. And it didn't mean anything. And so, like, it's just it, it, that stuff isn't what makes you happy. Like, yeah, it's nice. Sure, it's nice. But does it make you happy? Does it lead to fulfillment? Does it give you meaning? Not at all. Like in no way does it. And so like, I'm really glad that you have that mindset and that perspective because it's so easy to get caught up in that, especially today with social media, when you see all these guys standing in front of their Lamborghini, in front of their mansion, on their private jet, like all this garbage that really just doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And, and for me, you know, I think being from a small town, I'm, I'm a very humble person. Like I always thought my cap, you know, in life would be like, I make six figures, I own a couple of rental properties. And it's like, I've done that like two years ago, you know what I mean? So like, I always say everything from here on out is extra, like, don't get me wrong, I'm going hard, I want to see what I'm going to become as a person. But, you know, it's like, we're about to hit our first six figure month. So it's like, I've still been thinking small, like, how can I get to a million a month? And like all these things, but it's like, you have to still, it doesn't matter how much money you make. If you don't have that happiness, like you know, working on yourself, the relationship with my girl, uh, becoming parents, like we just had another daughter, starting that over, uh, being with an entrepreneur, like working on yourself is is way more important. And I heard that in the the Robert Kiyosaki interview the other day is like the most important piece of real estate is between your two ears. And like, if you don't work on that, and what's inside and the people around you and the relationships that truly matter, you're just going to end up with a lot of money and broken if that's what you want I mean you know no friends like broken relationship currency and it's like if that's what you want that's totally fine but it's no like for me I always wanted to be the person who had money and like if our friends did something and I can cover it or like just them to have that experience like that matters more to me like money is just provides freedom and that's for me that's all I wanted that's all I've ever wanted. Right. Like I said, I don't do good with authority. I want to be at all my kids games. I want my wife to, if she wants to stay home and shop or, you know, build something or whatever she wants to do, like that's freedom. And how I get that freedom is through real estate and money. And which started with wholesaling, which is crazy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, man. So, you know, after, so wholesaling, um, flipping rentals, all that, like, after all these lessons you've, you've learned, what do you feel like you're really good at right now?
1: Uh, my superpower I think is, uh, building relationships with people, which is ironic because I'm an introvert. Um, I grew up an only child. Like I've always been good by myself, but I have this really good talent of building relationships with people. Uh, I think teaching them whether it's real estate or life, um, And then also getting stuff done, right? Like in our business, I am the, when shit hits the fan, like I'm that guy, right? Like I'm, if there's a problem, I will get the problem solved, right? Uh, I'm also a little bit more straight edge than my partner. He's, he's the nicest guy I've ever met, which is great, but in business feelings do not matter, (laughs) Um, so, you know, I'm the hammer, right? Like I'm getting stuff done, getting deals closed. Like that's my strength. Um, and creating deals, like I said, out of JV partnerships or, you know, social media. Um, but I think really getting things done and getting deals closed and disposition, that's probably my strong suit. Cause I hate like, I love meeting people and sitting down to get deals. Like I just, you know, met with a seller. I truly enjoy that. But like, if you ask me to do a cold call, even on like a warm lead, like that they're probably ready to sell, I start getting anxious. Like I hate it. Um, But if I had to go meet a stranger and talk with them in person, I would be good. But, uh, you know, I know my strengths and my weaknesses. I know, you know, I think as you do this more, you become self-aware. So it's like hiring people to do the things that you hate to do. Um, I hate creating social media posts. I love posting. So I just hired a VA to do it. Right. So it's like just figuring out these things. And unless you start making more money, you can't buy that freedom. Um, So, yeah, those are those are probably like my strengths, though.
0: Awesome. So uh, sort of leading into something you just brought up. um, So what do you struggle with right now that you're trying to work on?
1: giving up more, it's, it's such a double-edged sword, but giving up more, uh, because I am a control freak, right? Because I always been by myself. Um, you know, learning that my time is, is not spent, is not best spent doing certain things. Right. So like I have somebody creating social media posts, but now I need somebody to write those posts and plan them out rather than me spend a couple hours doing it. Um, I need to probably, probably hire an assistant very, very soon, just with everything that I have going on. But that would be it. Stepping away more would be my weakness, because I'm so hands on, you know, we run a smaller operation, because you know, we want low overhead, so we can keep a majority of the profits to just dump back into real estate. So I think just bringing on more people, but also finding those people, because, because Ben and I are such, you know, wholesome people sometimes we hold others to our expectation and we're always let down uh and because we're such nice people you know even though I'm very like red personality I still have a good heart and I try to see the best in people even when they you know take advantage of me um but I think if I had that barrier in between right I wouldn't even have to deal with that if it was just somebody that they they're hired you know to just you know cut cut and dry uh, you know, I think that's, that's what
2: I need help with the most, to be honest. That's So cool. And then, so you mentioned you have 11 deals pending now, um, but then you also mentioned that you have a smaller operation. So like, what does your team look like currently?
1: Yeah. So it's mainly me and my business partner, Ben, and then uh, we have uh four or five VAs. He handles the majority of that side of the business, but I think we have four cold callers, maybe five. We have another lead manager. Um, and then I have a few contractors that I manage basically like three GCs, depending on the project. Uh, A lot of the houses we're getting now or the least the last couple ones have been in great condition. So we're just like flipping them to hedge funds. We're not really doing a lot of work. So I'm not having to manage as many people, which is good. Um, but we try to keep it very, very lean. You know, we don't have an office. We work from home. Um, You know, we try to utilize the VA method. We go to, you know, a majority of our appointments. That's, I probably need to hire a runner or assistant. Like I said, like, it's just, there's only so many places that I can be at a time, but you know, we, we try to keep it very small and manageable.
2: Awesome. And then, so how are you choosing which positions to hire next?
1: Gotcha. So right now it's just uh, the, what is the one thing that I hate the most and that I don't want to do? Like right now, one of the things that I hate doing the most is I hate setting up utilities for flips. It drives me insane. And I always have to call. It takes me like 30 minutes out of my day, but it is the most mentally exhausting thing. So I look at like things like that, that I can just either have my girl do or hire an assistant to do for me. Um, And because even on a flip recently, I we bought a hoarder house and the utilities hadn't been connected and I just left it on the back burner. Well, that kind of shot me in the foot because the house had been so, you know, had been vacant for so long and that turned it just snowballed into a bigger deal. And it was just like if I had somebody to just take care of this, like this would have stopped before the domino got this big uh, in the equation. So really just looking at things of like, I don't want to do or that are mentally taxing, or I just don't like to do really.
0: Yep. I feel you, man. Giving up control is probably one of the hardest things for an entrepreneur. Cause that's like why we got into business, right? Like we, we wanted the control. We wanted to determine what's happening with our lives. And so like giving up control, that, that is uh, probably one of the biggest issues that entrepreneurs face. So I am right there with you, man. Um, so we're going to, um, open it up for our students who are live on this call. Um, anyone who's here now would be the perfect time to post a question in the chat box. We can dig into those, um, anything, you know, Derek's done, you know, over a hundred deals. Now we have wholesaling experience, rental experience, flipping experience. Um, he's had the ups and downs. I mean, this, uh, pro on social media, um, I need to learn a thing or two from him. Uh, <laughs> I have more questions about that. If, if uh, I think we should talk offline about that stuff. Um, but Let's see. So we have. um, How do you decide what to flip, wholesale, keep, um, and when you get it under contract? How do you make that
1: decision? Gotcha. So it usually starts with the criteria of the house. So we have a very simple criteria when it comes to flipping. Uh, We, you know, ARV of 350,000 and under. Typically we want to be purchasing those at $200,000 and under uh, minimum one and a half bath. So as I go through that checklist, I'm like, well, this work is flipping it. <clears throat> then I also look at the seller, right? What is the situation with the seller? What are they trying to accomplish? Is it going to be easy to wholesale? Uh, If not, let's look at also what is going to be the risk versus reward versus time. So I'm a very lazy person. Like I told you, I'm a very lazy flipper as well. So if I can flip a property as is and make at least 30 to 40,000, that is a win for me. Right. And I want to do that multiple times a month. I'm not going to try to go super fancy and change the layout of the home. Most of the homes that we're buying, uh, you know, they need to be in an HOA. It needs to be simple. I'm just going in carpet, paint, you know, granite, the simple stuff. So that's kind of how we look at it. And then if it's a really good deal, I'm trying to be more aggressive on purchasing more homes and keeping for my portfolio as well. It kind of got sidetracked this year because we had this crazy idea to start, you know, this Airbnb business and, we went from zero houses to eight within like six months and that kind of opened up a whole new thing but um you know looking at keeping more also for depreciation but i just kind of look at the numbers versus risk versus reward and if i can burr it and you know have a bunch of equity or pull equity out uh you know we'll we'll look at keeping it um if it's in that fifth ward area obviously we're trying to buy multi-units multi there. So if it's something like that and the numbers make sense, we'll keep it. And then if it's an HOA, and like I said, it's under that certain criteria, we'll go ahead and flip it. And like I said, a uh, majority of the ones you know that we're doing now, we're just flipping to a hedge fund or open door or just relisting it as is um, just to get that quick in and out. Because I also want to, you you know you, when I use my lender's money, I want to turn it quickly. I want them to get a good return uh, so that we can keep buying more and more
0: Oh, I was muted. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, got for, okay. Here's another one uh, for building your social media following. Um, you do anything specific that has worked really well, or, or is it just about posting consistently?
1: Um, I think it's going to depend on the format, right? With Instagram, things have definitely changed since I first started. It was a lot easier. And I wish I would have went a lot harder at the beginning to grow. Um, I think, Being consistent, making real good content. You can always ask your followers, right? Like, what do you guys want to see from me? Um, But also there is like, you know, the algorithm likes certain things. We're real big, you know, TikTok has took off, uh, which I love. I learn a lot and I post a lot there, but you know, it's a different format, right? Anybody can go viral on TikTok. If you have good content, you, you plan it out, right? Well, you know, Instagram wants to compete with that. So reels have been really instrumental in my growth recently, but they also want to see that, you know, when you're posting the reels, you're also posting regular stories and you're posting on your timeline as well. So it's, you know, being consistent on all those, Platforms And a lot of the stuff I'm repurposing, whether it's a reel or, you know, a story to, you know, that's the beautiful thing about doing social media is like once you start recording yourself, you're going to realize how much content you have and to just start kind of like simplifying it. Um, but I think consistency is the biggest part and, and adding value to people, right? So many people are getting the look at me, look at me how about you just try to lead with value? Hey, this is how you can save 10 grand in a year. Hey, this is how you can flip a house. Hey, you know, like things like that. So I think by adding value, being consistent, and then learning the algorithms for, you know, the tool that you're using, right? The one that I haven't figured out yet is YouTube, which I'm learning, but uh, I think also I haven't been consistent on it, right? I'd drop a video every couple of months. Whereas like now I'm trying to do two videos a week. Um, so it's a lot different, but you know, that content is then chopped up for other, you know, platforms as well. So that makes it easier. So just trying to streamline things and, and be consistent and add value. Very cool. All right. Awesome. Um, got another one here.
0: Um, how do you go about finding your hedge fund buyers? Uh,
1: a lot of those have, have came from either relationships or honestly, they reached out to us. Like what happens here in Houston typically is we have some local hedge funds and then there's other people coming into the market. Cause I think Houston has been so affordable for so long. And a lot of times what they'll do is they'll just pull data or they'll go to networking groups or they'll just reach out to you. Like one of our buyer hedge fund buyers, um, they can't they followed up with my business partner for like a year and a half and finally it was like hey let's just talk to them and now we've sold them like four houses and some of the prices that they're paying they're not always the highest buyer but you know the deal is going to get done if they purchase it uh but i think constantly networking you could also always pull records and skip trace but it's a little harder uh with hedge funds like that but relationships is key for sure yeah absolutely um
0: All right, here we go. How would you handle an offer from a buyer with a contingency specifically on tenants leases being bumped up before closing?
1: Gotcha. I'm assuming meaning bumped up as in like renewing or just getting rid of the lease. Um, But I I think any contingency, it, it can be handled. I think if they're selling the home though, they shouldn't Unless there's a lease in place, shouldn't be necessarily as worried about the tenant if they're leaving. um, I would just kind of work with the seller and see what their expectations are and how you can make it a win win for the tenant. Um, A lot of times when we have tenants in place, uh, we try to do a cash for keys or we try to do like a lease back or, um, you know, we'll help them. We'll, you know, we have paid for movers. We always start out light, like we'll connect you with some movers and follow up. And then when they're like, oh, I can't afford it okay what well, can you afford and then we go to, it's just negotiations yeah. as normal um but i think just being a service right and and then i always let them know when we buy a home with a tenant i in the nicest way possible i let them know that they have to go but i i usually state it as hey look you know we just bought this house you see the condition it's in they agree they take a look around you know, we're going to be starting construction from our, you know, from our history, what we've learned is it's usually pretty hard. I don't know if you've ever lived in a house, what's been worked on, you know, it's not good. You probably don't want to hear hammers at seven in the morning. They're like, Hey, I agree. What if I put a thousand dollars in your pocket and helped you with a new place? You know, they're happy to do it. And, you know, coming in as a third party, is always best right dealing with them directly because then it takes the pressure off the landlord looking like a bad person and it's like hey i don't know your all situation i'm just trying to help everybody involved and they they really respect that and then sometimes you know you're going to have ones that don't want to leave and you try to work with them and you try to help them and they're just stubborn. And unfortunately you will have to evict them. You know, I had eviction court yesterday with a house that we bought and it's a gentleman. And, you know, we were working with the seller. He was going to get like five to 10 grand and get moved. And it was just a childhood house. And, you know, he was the sibling that didn't have his stuff together and he didn't want to leave. And unfortunately, you know, I, after two months of making payments and I've offered you everything that I can and you don't want to leave, you know, I have to do what I have to do to protect my investment. So, you know, that's the sad reality of real estate, but the neighborhood's going to get improved. The tenant that's there, the brother is not the best person, you know, it, you know, that's just the reality. A lot of people that we deal with aren't in the best situations, right? And that's just the reality of the business. But if you can come in as a helping hand and be a genuine person, you know, and create a win-win for everybody, that's, I don't know any other business that you can do that, right? Um, I, I just, I really don't, where you can create so many wins. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate
0: that. Um, all right, we'll do one last one. Um, so on your flips do you use private money or hard money or do you use your own funds
1: uh so you know as many as we're buying obviously i'm having to pull out some of my funds uh just based on what we're the buying criteria you know a lot of, like i said a lot of the homes like the house that we just bought it's like an 80 percent deal but it's an amazing deal we're gonna put like five ten grand into it uh but we do use private money i started with hard money and um Built that relationship, then you know, networking. I met another individual, and then uh, my best lender was actually when I was wholesaling. I had a deal fall apart probably like four years ago, and I took his earnest money. Right? This goes back to being a good person. Uh, The title company, you know, messed, they screwed me over to keep it light, and I lost like 10 grand on that deal but I gave him his money back and he followed my journey right because of social media well when we started doing flips and rentals he was my insurance guy cuz that's what he does and then we bid on the same house one time when I got into flipping and he was like hey if you ever get any more of these I'll lend on them and then so we bought a bunch of houses we you know with him and over the last year it's been good and then recently you know he gives us everything up front but you know we bought like one week we bought like six houses and he was like, Hey, I'm kind of hit my max. Well, you know, wealthy people, they know wealthy people. Right. So, you know, he was able to introduce me to, you know, another lady who's we've have four houses with right now, and that's working out. And that's when you really start to scale as a flipper. I know it might be a little bit more advanced for some people, but when you can start getting hundred percent of the purchase and the rehab up front and like, that's when it really starts to like take off. Uh, And you know, but it you have to give people a track record. That's why social media is so important. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, that those relationships become everything at a certain point, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Derek, what can our listeners do to help support you?
1: bring me deals. If you're in Houston, <laughs> I always say, and I, I tell people this, and I know I say that jokingly, but I'm so serious because when people message me on social media, they're always like mentor me or let me pick your brain. I'm sure you get the same. And I always tell people the exact same thing. And it's what my mentor told me, bring me a deal. Right. Right. I'm a very fair person. Um, I think if you wanted to benefit me, not only would it benefit yourself, but if you're in Houston and you have a deal or a seller, I will help you lock up the deal. I'll help you dispo it or flip it, whatever you want to do, but I will make sure you get paid because I love seeing other people make money, man. And I know if you're making money, I'm making money. And sometimes, you know, people make more than me and I make less. Sometimes I make more, they make less, but regardless, um, you know, I think that's the best thing that, or, go subscribe to my YouTube because I'm dropping a lot of content, putting a lot of time and money into that. But, uh, you know, just by being a fan, following kind words and, you know, bring me a deal, I think, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty simple guy. Awesome. And so um, what would be the best way for people to reach you? Uh, probably Instagram, uh, just flipping at flipping a house one word and uh, yeah just shoot me a DM or even if you know you hear this recording and you like it just share it tag me, uh, you know just just support every everything that we're all doing people I don't. I think people take advantage and they don't realize how much information is readily available that could change your life and it wasn't like this when I started I'm sure the same with you guys. Um, I think it was like Sean Terry and that was really it, you know, so, and he's still doing it, but, you know, it's, it's, I think, like I said, going back to how I started is, you know, when people see people that look like us, whether they look like you, you know, they're a minority, they look like me, um, you know, whatever it is, they see the tattoos. If you can relate with somebody, it starts to become, you know, more real and achievable. Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, being that this is real estate heroes, um, if you were a superhero, which one would you be?
1: Oh, a Ninja Turtle for sure.
0: For hey, right sure. I, I, <laughs> have,
1: I mean, even I have a Ninja Turtle back here, man. I love Ninja Turtles. Uh, definitely Michelangelo too, if you're curious which one, but uh, nice. <laughs> I like I, I'm a huge uh, Ninja Turtles fan, but uh, you know, I've watched all the Marvel. So obviously I have a 10 year old, uh, he's about to be 10 son. We've watched every Marvel thing you can think of under the sun, but uh. Yeah, definitely. Michelangelo for sure. Ninja turtle. (laughs) Awesome.
0: All right, Derek, man, I want to thank you for being here sharing your stories, your lessons. Uh, I know we're all better for it. I learned a lot myself. Uh, So super grateful for you. Um, Everybody who's who's joining and listening in thank you for listening. Um, If you got value out of this, then please like subscribe comment share with your friends. And I also want to make sure you grow from this. So Just pick one thing from today and take action on it right now. As soon as you're done listening, just do one thing to move in the right direction. Make a call, schedule the meeting, write something down to remind yourself about doing it. Just do something. It's the only way you're going to grow is by taking action. So go out and take action. Signing off, this is Dan Bro along with my co-host, Matt Bruner with Real Estate Heroes.